So. All right, well. Okay. Let's kill the monitor here. Uh-oh. Dang, thanks. Okay. And, <clears throat> wow. Okay. <clears throat> testing, one, two, testing. Okay, all right. We're looking like Colorado over there. We are here, we are here, we are here. We are here, we are here. Okay. Welcome to yet another interview and a series of interviews that we do on Neon Jazz, but we are going to do this under the umbrella of the Neon One conglomerate. And today, we are very happy and delighted to have the incomparable Mr. John Christopher from the Neon Beat, and we want to find out what it's all about, what the past is all about, what you're doing with the show, how did we get to today, and where are we going after today, and... We have him here in the studio, his studio, his beautiful studio in the home, and we are going to start with the beginning of your story. Where were you born and raised? I was born in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. That's where my uh, that's where I first saw the light of day, and where I heard the music that I'm uh, playing on the show. Give me a little bit of a uh, overview of your mother, father, siblings, and your uh, current family now. My dad was a broadcaster. Uh, not surprisingly, I'm kind of a chip off the old block. Dad was a, uh, a television personality when we left Lincoln, but uh, he was also a radio broadcaster for several radio stations along the I-80 corridor. And uh, at that time, in the 1950s and 60s, played the music that I'm uh, playing now on the neon beat. My mother studied music at Nevada before my dad and mom married. Uh, both of them are from Nebraska. I am the second eldest of five children, and um, gosh, uh, <laughs> I've been in Missouri ever since. I mean, we left in uh, 1966, so uh, uh, my wife's name is Gail, and we live here in Belton, which is also where my studio is here in my basement. Sweet. Let, let, let me ask you this question. Who has been, up to this ripe young age of your life, who has been the most influential person in your life? Oh, undoubtedly, Dad, especially where it relates to the relates to the radio show. Um, Mom probably had the big influence as far as the finer music goes. She she was classically trained at uh, Nevada, and so my love for classical music uh, emanates from there and the instrumentals. My uh, my interest in jazz and pop music comes from my dad. But my since my dad was a broadcaster. He was the biggest influence. I had a little radio station in my basement when I was a when I was a teenager, and I would practice through a uh, transmitter that didn't go more than oh, I hardly got out of the driveway with it. But our radios upstairs in the house would uh, pick it up, and Dad would come downstairs periodically if I was coming over the speaker, and he would remind remind me now and again, son, don't try to be something you're not. Use. Uh, <laughs> you'll find it a lot easier if you uh, cultivate your own voice. And uh, every now and again, I get in that radio mode. But uh, if I did that, he would come downstairs. I could even now, if I get into that mode, he will be looking over my shoulder, going, <laughs> "Son, don't do that." He would know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when you were growing up, what were some of the musicians you were uh, listening to that were big influences? Oh, um, Dad's music. Uh, he was into Nat King Cole, the uh, trio, and his music as a crooner. Les Brown and his band of renown. Yeah. Um, we had a, um, trying to think of her name, uh, Martin. Um, 
all of a sudden her name escapes me. Mary Martin. Yeah. Mary Martin. She uh, we had a had a version. She was the one that did um, a couple of. Uh, I think she was Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. Played the part of Peter Pan, and uh, we had one of her albums. It was called High Low. Or no, I'm sorry, Hi Ho. Hi Ho. Yeah. She did. She did a jazz version of the Snow White song yeah. that was, of course, nothing like it was in the movie. It was because very jazzy and beep bop dee dee type of stuff. And the other uh, was Bing Crosby. Yeah. That was the first record that I ever played. Was Bing Crosby's oh. "Y'all Come." Actually, a flip side to uh, what was I think on the other side was uh, where the blue of the gold meets the. Where the blue of the night meets the gold of the day. Sweet. Very nice. So, we're talking about radio here. This is your craft. What stations did you listen to and what jocks influenced you when you were growing up and in your formative years? Well, in Lincoln, uh, the stations that I listened to were more of the easy listening and uh, Broadway tunes stations. One of them being uh, KLIN in Lincoln. Another one being KFAB in Omaha, the big 50,000-watt voice in the Midwest. As I grew up, one of the things I liked to do was to pull in uh, distant radio stations. That's called DXing in the radio world. Uh, What I did was I listened to uh, pop stations in the 1970s. That being said, I listened to Chicago uh, amongst the... uh, radio announcers that affected me kind of gave me my crustiness on the air was Larry Lujak Larry Lujak and his um, little snot-nosed Tommy the guy that uh, did the morning shows with him that's kind of where I got my uh, oh well you might say more nihilistic sense of humor (laughs) the um, the traditional announcing that I get is from uh, there was an announcer he can't remember his name but he was at uh, WGR in Detroit they did an all-night show called uh, Night Flight 760. It was one of those shows on AM where you could get into a 20-minute bass solo right in the middle of that thing at about 1, one o'clock in the morning. Nice. Yep. Very nice. Uh, so, another one. Oh, another one was uh, Cosmic Cowboy in um, St. Paul, Minneapolis. Those were another among the... And here in Kansas City, I get to those guys, uh, Ted Kramer, big influence... Um, who else? Dan Henry. Can't leave Dan Henry out. Whenever I uh, say uh, Engelbert Humperdinck's name, I can hardly say it now. And I, <laughs> I'm a little hoarse today. But whenever I say uh, Engelbert Humperdinck's name, I say it the way Dan Henry used to say it, which was Engeldink Humperwimple. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Mark Foster, that was another announcer that uh, influenced me a lot. Goodness. And, oh, yes, Richard Ward Fatherly. I couldn't begin to do his pipes, but whenever he was around, I'd try to go that low, and invariably, uh, and my <laughs> voice would just go right up into my nose. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Actually, I wanted to be an airline pilot. Uh, my dad also flew. He was a private pilot. I had, uh, first time I ever went up in an airplane, in a Frontier Airlines uh, prop plane out of Lincoln. I was sold. I wanted to be a... But then, but then um, later in life, my dad took me to see a, see a radio studio and how it worked. Mm-hmm. Sat, in and, sat in at a radio show hosted by a, a fellow named Dick Rippey at KFH in Wichita. Yeah. And my dad... Of course, adding his talents as a radio announcer, back and forth they went, and I was just enamored. 
Nice. With the magic of it. Yeah. So I was sold right about there. I think I'm going to be a radio announcer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So speaking of that, Let's talk about your path, that you, the, the, your professional path from the beginnings all the way up to now being an engineer by day and a radio host after that time. Well, that's my daytime job. I am a radio engineer for the Intercom Group of stations here in Kansas City. That is my day job. Um, what I do is I keep uh, transmitters, audio equipment. My first uh, degree was in, uh, was in electronics. Mm-hmm. But I have to admit, the electronics was uh, my way of getting into the business. Right. Um, and actually, my first radio job was at uh, a Nebraska radio station where I didn't have to, to use it until they discovered that I could. Yeah. Um, was at KODY, North Platte, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I got my, uh, I got a, uh, I wouldn't say a degree, but I got a um, associate's, well, I guess that is a degree, yeah. in um in electronics, applied sciences, uh, and then went on into the broadcasting industry as soon as I could get a job. But uh, got to do a microphone work first, which uh, I was really kind of doing what Dad suggested, speaking of, you know, kind of the, the walk. Dad wisely suggested that I get a degree, that I learn another trade mm-hmm. before I learned before I got totally into radio announcing because the, the good radio announcing jobs, the good paying ones are very hard to find, uh, especially now. I mean, even tougher. Mm-hmm. He said, you're going to need it. And I did. Yeah. And now and again, needed the electronics to kind of back me up whenever I didn't have a gig. Absolutely. So tell me how the neon beat began. Well, okay, here we go. Back to the old humble beginnings. These songs have been going around in my head all my life since Nebraska. I have said before, basically what you're hearing is a, is a kid trying to get home. Okay. Um, the actual effort uh, began when I was at that first radio station in Nebraska. And they were, as managers of radio stations uh, frequently do they were throwing out an entire library of records changing over to another format and i raised my hand and i started going through the ones they were going to be throwing out and one in particular was a white promotional album with the name of bill purcell on it and i'd i'd been hearing this tune in my head all of my life sometimes i would dream it Mm -hmm. not really knowing what it was or really ever asking what it was just kind of a haunting piano melody and uh, I just saw the album and went I wonder if put it on a turntable turned out to be Bill Bill Purcell's Our Winter Love from 1963 and it just wafted through the speakers and I was nine years old all over again so I began from that time collecting records from that era from from the late 50s and 60s. Nice. And then so how did how did you actually get to the point actually? Yeah, where get on it, the, yeah. How did you get to the point where it got on the air? Talk about your journey to KCXL and Radio George where we're at right now. How you kind of went from A to whatever letter we're at right now. Um well, I didn't actually seriously begin considering the possibility of uh, 
collecting the music to the point where I could actually do that kind of a radio show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a rock and roll disc jockey for, for a while, middle-of-the-road type disc jockey. For those of you that don't know what middle-of-the-road means, that's an old uh, broadcast term, uh, meaning at the time you would play anything from, say, James Taylor to the Carpenters to Windy by the Association to Vince Giraldi and other you know, just kind of that easy listening middle of the road, what we now call soft rock. Yeah. Yeah. But actually more more hybrid at that time. Yeah. That's primarily the kind of announcer that I was. Um, and then I got into country music <laughs> <laughs> for uh, for 18 years um, where I really honed my. Uh, and that was, that was funny because it's something I said I would never do. Yeah. I'll never do country. But now um, I am a I am a Merle Haggard Doc and Merle Watson fan. Yeah. Um, just, um, I love them as well. That would surprise a lot of people, but uh, you have to remember a good, uh, especially in the show, you will hear country in uh, the neon beat because a good deal of it crossed over during that time. Jimmy Dean's Big Bad John, yeah. Marty Robbins, White Sport Coat, uh, Big Iron, and uh, El Paso. Yeah. They were both uh, hot on the charts. So there was a lot of crossover going on at that time, so it's yeah. not surprising that I actually fit country music, at least the older style country music, a lot better than than I thought I would. Yeah. So talk to me about your fan base, your demographics, who listens to your show. Uh, just talk to me a little bit about that. The, um, well, first of all, uh, to, to, to con- I'll get to that in a moment. First of all, to, to kind of continue to answer your question, it... Uh, Actually, the first time that I did the Neon Beat, it was under another name called Joe Town Tonight. It was done over KFEQ, St. Joseph. There was a general consensus, and I could feel it, in the St. Joseph area, northwestern Missouri, that wouldn't it be nice if we could bring back those old songs? Yeah. So with a little help from the general manager and another guy named Gil Johnson, who got together with me to do it, we collected the records and, and the ones that I had. And for every Sunday night, we would do this thing called Joe Town Tonight and play, uh, play records. We even covered the 30s in that, uh, in that mess. Nice. So we were, it was a terrible collection, at least at that point. <laughs> most of it was vinyl, most of it scratchy. A good deal of it we had to put on reel-to-reel tape. There was another guy that was a former record producer during the old Deck and Bluebird label days in the 1930s and 40s who helped me get a lot of the older stuff. Yeah. Um, what I had very little of at the time was a lot of that post-war stuff that I do now. But anyway, that was really the, where I honed my skills mm-hmm. to do what you're hearing now. Right. Okay, the neon beat started about five years ago since I went off the air. You can't, you can't keep a good radio announcer off his mic. Okay, so I set up a radio studio in my basement with no real particular idea of doing a radio show at that time either. Mm-hmm. I was just doing what I do yeah. until I'm listening to my, I think I had a vague idea I was going to go somewhere with it, but it didn't, I don't think I had enough belief that it would. Yeah. Okay, there didn't seem to be any. Well, anyway, I'm, I'm riding in a car with a gal that used to be on uh, Soft Rock KUDL, Kansas City. Uh, her name is Cheryl Collins. And Cheryl's a spitfire and vinegar. She really is. I, we refer to each other as tunes in this industry. <laughs> if, she, if I'm Roger Rabbit, so she, she's a Jessica. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And we're riding in my car, and I have a tape on, and it's my show. 
Well, I'm kind of deaf to it. It's playing in the background, and I realize it's me. So like a painter who's not done with his painting yet or doesn't want anybody to see it, I quickly turn the radio off. She goes, no, 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 turn that up. So I turned it up, took a breath, and I said, okay, here it is. This is what I'm doing, just playing, you know, no, 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 a little hobby, hee, hee, hee. She turned it up, listened to it for a few minutes, and said, as a professional radio announcer, said, this is really good. Why aren't you sharing this? That was the beginning. That's where, that was the push. And then I ran into Richard Ward Fatherly. Mm -hmm. And Richard Fatherly is a voice, if if you heard it, you would recognize him. He's all he was. He's gone now. He was all over the Kansas City market, and he took me under his wing. He was the original voice for the show. We elected to do him because um, we didn't. Um, we felt like not that he felt like I was bad. He just said, "Let's use a voice that Kansas City knows. Yeah. It might attract more listeners right off the bat, and then yeah. maybe I would join on along later." Well, as you know, a couple of years ago, Richard Ward fatherly died, yeah. um, passed away from heart condition, mm-hmm. and uh, I took on the job of being the voice. And uh, again, I was heard by someone. We, uh, me and another salesman at uh, the radio group where I work, pitched it to a local station here, and uh, they picked it up. And have been carrying it uh, at various times to this day. They first carry it over a station that has now gone Mexican. And now they're carrying it out of Liberty on an AM-FM combo. Which is what we're doing now. Which is? Uh, The Neon Beat on KCXL. uh, 11.40 AM and 102.9 FM. Sweet. And then... You, you're not only on terrestrial radio, you're on the internet now, too. Let's talk about that a little bit. How you got on Radio George and how that union took place. It's, I was invited to attend a, um, a group of um, old radio announcers that get together at a place you know, just off Metcalf every second Friday of the month, second and last Friday of the month, called Radio Legends. Mm-hmm. I was invited there by... Uh, a fellow that does the movie reviews on uh, 980 KMBZ mm-hmm. and a couple of other stations in the intercom group called uh, Jack Posinger, name of Jack Posinger. And Jack goes to the movies, if you've heard that. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a, got a German, mm. German-tinged voice. Yeah. That's because he's from Leipzig, Germany. Yeah. And Jack reviewed my show, heard it on KCTO, got a hold of me, said that he wanted to uh, do an article mm-hmm. on it. And I said, sure. You know. And at the same time, I was invited to the Radio Legends bunch, where I'd been hanging out. And it was there I ran into a guy named George Woods. Yeah. George Woods used to do a talk show on KCMOAM. He, has, he went to St. Louis for a little while, gone the way of a lot of us radio announcers who have kind of left the industry or were forced out because of the uh, consolidation of the business. And uh, George decided to start a um, streaming service, streaming radio out of his basement. A lot of people are streaming. Few are doing radio out of their basement. Or anybody who's doing it, there are a few that are doing it well. George wanted to do it right. So... At one of the meetings, uh, I, I kind of got on with George until he started telling me about uh, what he was doing out of Lenexa, his house there. And we got to talking about it. And I said, well, um, I'm going to show you I'd like you to hear. He heard it and wanted, decided uh, in a 
couple of weeks with an amigo. Look, I'd like to have you on Radio George. So if you go to RadioGeorge.com, tell you what, just Google in Radio George, the neon beat. It'll come right up. Yeah. And just just left-click on it, and it'll bring it right up for you. Sweet. So I, I kind of leapfrogged because we kind of we, we didn't quite get down the evolutionary path of the show. Let's go to where we were before. Talk about your fans. Talk about your demographics. Who listens to the Neon Beat? The fan base, surprisingly, is quite a wide range. Uh, most of the people within the industry would tell me that I'm aiming at 50 plus, 50 years or older. And that's primarily been true. But uh, I've been uh, amazed at how much, how many people, 40, 30. I got a... Uh, a guy that's about uh, 27, 28 years old said, yeah, this is really good and refreshing, this stuff. And he said it was good also that you included some of the cutting-edge artists that are kind of keeping the faith, such as Michael Bublé and uh, Diana Krall, Harry Connick Jr. and those people. And I do blend those in periodically to kind of say, hey, we're still doing it. You know, it's not really all that old. But I think uh, what it kind of proves is that everything you got going on now is basically... Standing on uh, some pretty big shoulders. Yeah. And I think there is a big burnout. That's just my opinion. Right now, there is a big burnout factor in radio listening right now. Because uh, the corporations, in order to uh, milk as much profit as they can, I don't fault them for this, but because they're corporations, they're doing what businesses do. What they're doing is they're carving up the biggest pieces of the pie. So... You can have three or four versions, rock versions in your city, alternative rock, classic rock. Mm -hmm. You could have three stations all playing Lady Gaga and Celine Dion. And uh, one of the number one questions I I get for anybody that discovers that I'm in this business is, what happened to Sinatra, Perry Como, Henry Mancini, um, some of the the great stuff that we no longer hear anymore? It would be refreshing if we could hear them again. That's kind of what spurred me on in the first place. Yeah. And it is held true. The people that uh, say they like the show are passionate about it. Said this is so, this is so, this is like a breath of fresh air, which is how I intended it to be. Yeah. Something listenable. Yeah. So I'm going to piggyback off of that. I started out as a fan and now we work on shows in the studio, but I want to know where is the neon beat going? Where do you want it to go? What's your ultimate dream? What's happening right now? You mean in terms of ex- exposure? Yeah. Uh, well, I'd like the ex- exposure on it to increase, obviously. We're trying to syndicate it. That's something I would like to see happen. Um, now that I have an agent, <laughs> more or less, uh, <laughs> we're trying to get it uh, syndicated, meaning that if we can do that, then uh, other markets in the country will pick it up. Yeah. Uh, other radio stations will start to pick it up. See, one of the things I was trying to do there, you may have heard of the format, Music of Your Life, which um, a lot of people hear what I'm doing, and they go, oh, you're doing Music of Your Life by Al Ham. Well, I'm not really, because when you, if you remember that format, it played a lot of great music, but it was kind of Mm non-directive. I mean, it was so broadbanded, you would go from Sinatra to um, K-Star to... The Bee Gees, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, they were trying to cover the bases and there was no there was no parting there. It was like nobody was really paying attention. It was just going from one 
you know, thing to the other. You don't go from an old Johnny Mercer tune to <laughs> by Robin Gibb. Yeah. It, just, it doesn't, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. At the same time, uh, some of them, there was, a, there was another station that got a little way broadbanded in that I don't think anybody cares if Bing Crosby ever did Hey Jude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know absolutely. what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's good if he if he does songs kind of within the own era, but uh, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, and there was a period there in the 1960s where they were trying to get these old boys to sing hipper tunes, and they just sounded ultra loungy. Yeah. The, thus, the Capitol uh, records that came out, you know, picking up some of these. Some of them were quite funny. Yeah. yeah. Nelson Riddle doing Winchester Cathedral. Yeah. <laughs> it, it didn't quite work. Yeah, no, no. Um, what is the greatest compliment that you ever received? The greatest compliment I ever received? You mean as far as the show? Yes. Um, boy, um, that, that's, a, that's one that catches me by surprise. Um, oh, um, I know at least recently, it was to have one of these old guys that was there for that era come up and shake my hand at uh, the Radio Legends meeting, and he says, you're doing it right. You're doing it right. Keep that up. Yeah. That, that meant a lot to me, because yeah. I can be my own worst critic. Right. B- believe me. <laughs> believe me. <laughs> so, tell me, what, what are the best things about radio today? The best things about radio today are pretty much the same things always been. It's portability in and above, say, streaming. Mm-hmm. And the uh, there's a lot of competition out there, but nothing beats radio yet. And it's it's primarily because of the portability. Yeah. As, and this is the danger, this is where radio is going to slip behind real quick if it doesn't start being a little more innovative in this area. Um, streaming, because of, um, you know, Mobile G and this sort of thing, and satellite is going to um, can also be picked up portably it's a little dicey now satellite isn't but streaming is but as um, as the G as the phone company's G coverage increases putting a streaming through your your radio will be just second hand yeah and then the competition will be thousands of stations as opposed to so what are you going to do to to do differently well that's a I've seen a couple of articles on this right now. There's a lot of streaming radio out there right now, and as I've alluded to, very little, very little of it is done well um, in terms of the private streaming, because most of them are not businessmen. Yeah. At the same time, they don't know how to monetize it. Yeah. Or really have any sense of timing about them. Yeah. It's just uh, here's what I like. Uh, here it is. Yeah. You know, two radio stations who do stream, but don't really put any effort into it the way they do their air sound. Yeah. Okay, so it sounds plugged in. Yeah, yeah. And that's, with radio, you can still be live. And if you can't be, you can sound live if you have a sense of theatricity about you and are at the very least connected with your audience. Yeah. Yeah. And you can sound like you're connected with your audience. Yeah, yeah. One one thing that I'm thinking about, the beginnings of of you getting your music, which was on vinyl, and now we've gone to this digital age where there's no packaging, very few storefronts. How do you, do you think that's an evolution or 
de-evolution of how we've gone with music. I'm not sure I understand the question. Well, you the, the vinyl just isn't around anymore. Cassettes aren't around. Physical media is not around. We've gone totally digital in, in, in a lot of senses. How do you feel about that? About not being able to go out and physically hold these things like people used to? Well, you know, uh, changing, I'm, I'm a rusty squeeze box when it comes to change. I'll tell you that right now. It's uh, Digital has been kind of, uh, kind of a slow catch up for me. Uh, I'm not one of these vinyl against digital people. Yeah. Um, well, the vinyl had a warmness that was uh, was not heard in uh, in. See, yeah, I, you know, it depends on where you're getting your digital too. Yeah, because some of it's uh, pretty trashed up after it's been digitized too many times. Yeah. Okay, and in in the analog world, as they say, there was a problem with other things like scratches and hum and. Uh, old tubes and this sort of thing. So uh, am I all right with the way things are, are sort of going? Yeah, I am. I'm, uh, I've warmed up to it because I have to use those mediums in order to produce the show. Yeah. My show is produced here digitally. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody asked me, said, how do you... I'll give away a little trade secret here. And Actually, I don't play the records per se. Mm-hmm. They're in a uh, library in the computer where I'm recording to. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a click and drag operation. I don't have to go through the whole record. I record my commentary separately, adding it to the music. And then uh, sometimes I will play the beginning of the record so I can get paste if I haven't heard it in a while. That was a little unnatural at first because I'm used to tracking the music in real time as I'm speaking. Okay, in and I, I didn't think I would be able to get the same sense of energy without it playing underneath me. Yeah. But uh, I find that's easily solvable by cueing the record to me, and then I can already hear it in my head. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I'm already hearing it anyway, so if, I, so if I come on to like a hard cell beginning to a record, hard kerbang, kerbang going into Sinatra, I know to pick my voice up just yeah. before it comes on. And now here's Frank Sinatra, bang. Okay, or if it's crazy by Patsy Cline, which is a very understated piano by Floyd Kramer there at the beginning with a little bass applied to it. I know to speak softly Mm -hmm. so that I don't overcome the music without sounding too pretentious. Yeah. But um, yeah, I let the it it was a little tough because I generally let the music drive my style. You know, you don't you're not screaming Mimi over Montavani. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay, or yeah. Percy Faith, you know. Yeah, sure, sure. Okay, as we wind down towards the end here, I want to ask you, pick three of the most influential musicians in your life as a music guy who have been the biggest influences. Oh, wow. Again, I'm saying that a lot, aren't I? Who were the biggest influences on me? Uh, unequivocally, Nat King Cole. Uh, it's one of these guys that, uh, you know, started, you know, jazz trio and did uh, what is usually a, um, if you think about it, is usually a, uh, a bad thing to do. And that's a change horses in the middle of his career, which was to go with a crooning style. But he just had that kind of voice. Uh, Nat Cole. Uh, Sinatra, certainly. Um, Marilyn May. Kansas City's Marilyn May. I have to include her. Uh, just as I would have been a teenager at the time she was speaking out 
or adolescent teenager. And I just, that cabaret singing of hers was just so motivating. She still makes me want to just turn up, turn up the dadgum speaker. Yeah. Uh, Louis Armstrong, Satchmo, yeah. Yeah, however that came out. <laughs> Satchmo, uh, Louis Armstrong, the Dixieland trumpeter. Just, you know, think about Satch that you just love. That you loved about uh, that I loved about some some country music artists is there just, just no pretension to that voice. Yeah. That's why you loved him. Yeah. Not only could he play a mean trumpet, yeah. but yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just you know he he was what he was. He had the panache. Yeah, yeah he had the panache. Panache. Um, yeah. And Sinatch had the panache. Yeah, yeah, those were some classy guys. Um, one more time, how can people hear? Your program, the Neon Beat. Where can they hear it at? I'll push the um, stream first uh, because that's uh, the best sounding of the bunch. Um, full stereo when we do have stereo. That's an interesting thing about it because a good deal of the recordings that you take out of that period are mono. But they, I tend to hang around the hi-fi. I'll leave the 78s to Ken Burns yeah. and the history of jazz to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, where can they hear it? They can hear it at RadioGeorge.com. Go to RadioGeorge.com. I have a page called The Neon Beat, and there are three jukeboxes there. Pick one, left click, it'll play. I change it. it it's not actually a live stream as it is you're playing back an hour of the show when you go to the jukebox and it's uh, reloaded three hours every week sunday evening all good listening the other uh, kansas city radio station carrying it is kcxl 11:40 a.m and 102.9 fm 102.9 fm is about 200 watts at a um, stick about 800 feet in the air in independence so it doesn't have a whole lot of penetration um, but they've just recently upgraded their AM to 5,000 watts. So you can, uh, you should be able to give them over the metro during the daytime. At night, they go down to the power of a light bulb, so forget it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the times that are on presently, um, 24-7 at Radio George and on KCXL, as it is now, because they move me around a whole lot. Yeah. Um, it's on... Weekday evenings, 6 to 8 p.m. Weekends, Saturday, noon till midnight, if they don't have a game. Sundays, 2 to midnight, if they don't have a game. And all nights, generally, seven days a week. Midnight uh, till about 5 in the morning. Yeah. Sweet. Till the talk programming comes on. Yeah. Yeah. Good deal. Um, with that, with the final words, thank you very much. I mean, I tell you what, if there is any show in Kansas City that has totally um, been charming and delightful and has heralded a very loyal audience, it's been the Neon Beat. So, Mr. John Christopher, it's uh, been a delight. Thank, thank you. you. Thank on you. On many fronts. Um, and... Uh, enjoy listening to uh, the neon beat it's uh, it's a delight it's on your radio dial and the internet and with that we say good night good night and good luck <laughs> enjoy the music my friends